fourscore and seven years ago, the Tennis Podcast was born. Maybe. Either way, this is the show where we cover a new top tennis list every week. I'm your host, Nick. Each episode, either myself or my sidekick host bring a top tennis list on anything, supported with research and fun facts. The other person doesn't know what that list is ahead of time and tries to guess items 1 through 10 in real time, along with you, the beautiful folks at home. Today, my guest sidekick host is Jerry Landry, host of the podcast Presidencies of the United States. Jerry, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, Nick. How about you? Uh, Not doing well at all, but uh, I'm going to get through it. I'm just kidding. Uh, So, Jerry, your show is devoted, your podcast is devoted to exploring presidential history from the founding of the office in 1789 on through the present day. But I know you could do a better job than I of talking about your podcast. So give the listeners a quick overview of, of you and your show. Absolutely. And first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. I've been a listener of the Tennis Podcast for quite a while now. So it is an honor and a privilege to be here. First of all, definitely want to say we're thanking of Brandon and sending our best wishes to him. Thank you for that. Absolutely. In terms of presidencies, I'm going into my fifth year of the podcast, and my podcast is devoted to exploring presidential history from the beginning, but also trying to expand the view, you know, not just about the person who holds the office of the presidency, also all the other people that make the presidency happen and the events and all the things that help to shape a presidency because it's more than just one person really exploring those lesser-known stories of presidential history. So hopefully anybody who is listening now, if you aren't listening already, greatly appreciate you checking presidencies out. But in terms of the Tennis Podcast, I have my airport hot dog and body elves (laughs) ready to go. Oh my God, listen to you. And it's funny because you said you've been listening for a long time. Appreciate that, of course. But that always scares me when someone's been listening for a long time, but you're still here. That's good to know. And before we get going here, one of the things I love about your podcast, Jerry, is the little things. Because, for example, you you talked about it, but it's not just about the man, the president. It's also uh, the people around him, the events and things around him. For example, I listened to an episode this week about Madison's pres- James Madison's presidency. You mentioned the population of Washington, D.C. at that specific time period. And those little tidbits are the types of things I really enjoy about your podcast. So you do a great job. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Nick. And and that's really what it's all about. It's it's trying to humanize these figures that have been made into statues and, and have been talked about for so long. It's really bringing it back to the human experience. So thank you so much. I greatly appreciate that. And I know you said that you cover more than just the president himself because there's all these people around him that help him. But I'm sure once you get to the Donald Trump series, it'll just be Trump because he he did it all by himself. Every last minute. He did everything himself. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No one could do it just like him. All right. Enough small talk, Jerry. You brought me a list. Tell me what it is. Absolutely. So, Nick, I brought you the list of the top 10 wealthiest presidents. Oh, very interesting. Okay. This list comes from a website called 24-7 Wall Street. Basically what they did, they drew on a number of historical and contemporary sources in order to identify these because, of course, presidential history spans centuries. Because several of the presidents, particularly in the early 19th century, had these large fortunes that were built and lost in a number of years. This list is a reflection of the peak wealth of each president. They went ahead and tried to adjust for inflation using the December 2021 Research Consumer Price Index drawn from the Federal Reserve economic data. So I have the 10 richest U.S. presidents for you. And did you say that's their peak wealth? Peak wealth. Regardless of when that was. Absolutely. Okay. Interesting. So, so just to let you know, and um, it will be of no surprise for many of the presidents, um, this includes hard assets, including real estate, estimated lifetime savings, 
work history, inheritance, also annual salaries, okay. income made from royalties on books, anything that contributed to their wealth. Does hard assets include hard asses? Yes, there were a few that were hard asses. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I know it. Okay, let me guess that old hard ass himself. Well, actually, okay, let me think about this because it's adjusted for inflation. If this guy's in the top 10, I'm going to guess he's in the second half of the top 10. And that's Mr. Barack Obama. Is he in the top 10? President Obama is in the top 10. He is at the number 10 spot. Hey, did I nail it or what? You nailed it. Thank you. I forgot to mention this in the production meeting before this call, but the sidekick host, their biggest role here really, on top of everything else, is congratulating the host of the show for all the great guesses they do. Absolutely. I, I'm here for that. <laughs> <laughs> Except when you don't guess well. But you started out of the gate. Excellent. Yeah. So I'm going to read you the blurb that came from 24-7 Wall Street in their top 10 list. Okay. Barack and Michelle Obama were worth over $1 million when he entered office, accrued from their respective salaries. He is an Illinois state and then U.S. senator. She is an attorney and hospital administrator. Mm. And from royalties from several books he had written, including Dreams from My Father and The Audacity of Hope. Further royalties, Obama's presidential salary, and their investments raised their net worth to over $20 million by the time he left office, and it subsequently swelled due to massive further book advances and speaking fees for yeah. both Obamas. You forget, well, at least I forgot, just because everyone's always talking about the man because he's the president, but you forget that Michelle was extremely accomplished even before he was president as well. Absolutely. And that's the yeah. thing, it, and it's interesting to, while I was researching this list, I found previous lists and you see that rise happening. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. And you think about all that the Obamas are involved with nowadays and the post-presidency, and it really is both of them. Michelle came out with her book as well, mm -hmm. and that really builds their wealth as a couple. And I love Michelle. She's, pro she's one of my favorite first ladies just because she was so proactive in a lot of things like children's health, for example. But, you know, I need to back up a second and ask, can we really include Barack Obama in this list when he wasn't even born in America? Where's his birth certificate, Jerry? Have you seen it? I've seen the short form. I haven't seen the long uh, form. So there we go. Okay. <laughs> Propaganda. You know, it's all this fake news, you know. That's what we're here for is to proliferate fake news. But I'm sorry, go ahead. If there's anything else on the Obamas. That is it on the Obamas, but it really is fascinating. And, and that was one I wasn't expecting to be in the top 10. But knowing what's happened in their post-presidency and for anybody yeah. who, and speaking of Michelle Obama, if you haven't read her book yet, highly recommend it. It's a great read, but yeah. Great documentary on Netflix too about her. They are in the top 10. What you said there, you mentioned that you were kind of surprised they were so high, but, and I was too, because they're so relatively recent. Mm -hmm. And so you think, I assume, I guess I'll find out during this episode, but I assume that most presidents get, at least modern day presidents, get most of their wealth post-presidency. So the more years you have post-presidency, the more wealth you can accumulate. For some. So Obama's done pretty well for himself. Yeah, Absolutely. For some, okay. Absolutely. So you guessed number 10. And there are nine more on the list. Let me give you another recent history guess. Someone that I know has done a lot of books, a lot of speaking tours, things like that. I'm going to guess that William J. Clinton is somewhere in the hmm, four to eight range. Number nine. Oh, come on, Jerry. There's one. <laughs> you were one off. Come on. You can't give me that one? Come on. <laughs> Jerry, you're playing a hard game here. Come on. This is one away. Number nine is Bill Clinton. <sighs> okay. And I forgot to mention the actual number. So number 10, Barack Obama is oh. valued at $70 million in terms of net worth. Wow. And Bill Clinton, number nine, is valued at $77.4 million. And that's today's money. In today's money. Adjust it for inflation. And so the blurb for Clinton was, unlike several other presidents on this list, 
Bill Clinton did not inherit any wealth and gained little net worth during his 20-plus years of public service. Again, to your point, Nick, after his time in the White House, however, he began earning a substantial income as an author and public speaker. In 2005, Clinton received a $15 million advance on his book, My Life. In March 2014, the former president was paid $500,000 to speak in London to the Bank of America. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, whose assets are shared by her husband, Mm -hmm. has also contributed to the family fortune since leaving office. In 2014, she received a $14 million advance for her autobiography, Hard Choices, and she commands speaking fees similar to those of her husband. Yeah, and not just them, but the kids are wealthy too. I don't know if that contributes to their, I don't know how that works, but Jerry, I think you said 500000 Bill got for a speaking arrangement. Mm-hmm. That's, that's almost pretty close to what you're getting for this speaking arrangement right now. So that's pretty impressive. <laughs> the check's in the mail, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> don't check the return address on that. Post date it uh, a few hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, maybe adjusted for inflation in a long time from now. The Clintons, I'm surprised they're so low because like so many books, I mean, Bill Clinton even did, a, I want to say a novel with, uh, which author was it? Do you know what I'm talking about? He did a novel recently with... Uh, I'm trying to remember okay. which author it was, but yeah, I do remember. And it was something about, it, of course, related to the presidencies. It was a fictional account. Yeah. I think it was like a presidential assassination or something. Yeah, James Patterson. The book, James there's Patterson. a few books, but one of them's called The President is Missing. Yeah. So, I think that is right. Jerry, have you ever met a president? Not yet. Not yet. I was so close on a couple of occasions because, of course, I, I live in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. We had the Democratic National Convention here a few years back, and I was so close to meeting a president <laughs> and just, it didn't work out. <laughs> One of these days. Was it Barack? Barack and talking about Bill Clinton. um, They actually. Bill Clinton was there. Yeah, Bill Clinton actually stopped into a restaurant that was within walking distance of our house. Oh my gosh. And it was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so close. (laughs) I know. Well, how jealous will this make you? I've met a president once and it was Bill Clinton. Really? And I have a. Semi, well, met in quotes. You'll see what I mean in a second. So, this is a quick story. I'm not going to get into the particulars. Long story short, I happened to be in a conference room in a building where Bill Clinton was in the same building. It was unrelated to him. We were just in the same building. Long story short, again, we were, I'm in this meeting with like 20 other people in this conference room, and all of a sudden, door knocks, opens, and there's standing Bill Clinton. And he just pokes his head in and goes, Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Closes the door and walks off and his hand, well, his handler closed the door behind him. So, long story short, he walked into the wrong room. He said, whoops, with his eyebrows raised and left. And that's my presidential meeting story. A quick guest appearance. Yes. I love it. But I've gotten closer than you have. You have gotten closer. And I don't even host a president podcast. See, I really need to up my game here. Right. I'll help you out. But it's, Interesting, you know, and and both of these, you know, being more recent presidents, it helps you to understand how wealth and and how that post-presidency has changed over time. Yeah. I will go ahead and say that we have a range of presidents in terms of the chronology on this list, but these two really help you to understand what the post-presidency can mean for presidents in the modern era. Yeah, because I think, to your point, I think it was, you said Barack Obama had a net wealth of $1 million mm-hmm. going into the office, and now we are uh, about five-ish years after his presidency, and he's already up in the $70 million, uh, net wealth. Yeah. yeah, that goes a long way. And so, let me give you another guess, though, if you're done with the Clintons. Absolutely. Okay. Something you said during the Clintons was, I think it was Bill, you said that he wasn't born into wealth. Some presidents have been born into wealth. So, I'm trying to think of who that could be. You know what? Okay. I'll just go ahead and say it. Donald Trump. Is Donald Trump in... I know he has to be at the peak. Okay. Now that I'm thinking about it, he has to be number one at the peak of his wealth, right? In the billions. Donald Trump is number one on the list. I should have saved it. Damn it. All right. Too late. We're here. Donnie T, listener of the show, is number one. 
Donald Trump is number one at $2.3 billion. And the write-up is, even at the lowest estimate and when adjusting for inflation, Donald Trump is far and away the wealthiest person ever to be president. His precise net worth, however, is difficult to gauge. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) We've been trying to find that out for a long time. Since he announced that he wanted to be president, we have been trying to find that Mm -hmm. out, and now we're in his post-presidency, and we still don't know. But media estimates and his FEC financial disclosure vary widely. Bloomberg and Forbes estimated Trump's net worth at $2.9 billion and $4 billion, respectively, when he was running for president in 2016. Trump himself, meanwhile, has claimed a net worth of $10 billion, though this figure is widely disputed. Again, surprise, surprise. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm just, it's like there's nothing, even if you like Donald Trump, and I don't think there's very many people listening that do, but let's say you do like Donald Trump, even you have to admit that no matter what someone says, he will up it, whether it's money or years or time it's o- or anything. It's always more. It's like double or triple what the real thing is. Anyway, go ahead. And he would be more than glad to call in tips to Forbes or whoever and say, oh, did you hear that Donald Trump is worth $15 billion? (laughs) Was he the one that had the fake personality that he would call? This is before presidency, but he would have had a fake personality that would take calls at his office. and It would be him, but he'd be pretending to be someone else. That was Mr. Trump. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Do you remember the name he used? Oh, that? gosh. I'm trying to remember what the name was. Come on, Jerry. Come on. Oh, what was All right, that? that's okay. I'll look it up. John Barron. That was it. That's it. That was it. And his son is and named Barron. And his son Barron, is so named we'll Barron. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But that <sighs> wasn't him. That, that, was, that was not him. That's fake news. So he's worth $2.3 billion at his peak, probably, again, hard to really nail that down. But how much of his wealth do you think was spent that night at the White House when he served McDonald's to his guests? I would imagine very little of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you think? There was a lot of Chicken McNuggets there. He probably had a few coupons that somebody clipped. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet you're right. Either that or he laid out the bill for them as they were done. (laughs) I've talked about this on this show more than once, but he had the Diet Coke button, the infamous Diet Coke button at his White House desk. To install that thing, he didn't uh, foot the bill for that. The White House did. The American public footed the bill for the Diet Coke button. But I've also gone on record to say of all the things Trump did in his presidency, which is, you know, terribly handling COVID and not building the wall he promised Mexico would pay for and all this other stuff, good and bad. Well, bad. Best thing he did was install the Diet Coke button in the White House desk. And I'm very curious to know what Joe Biden's done with that button. I would be interested to know as well. I don't see Joe Biden as being a Diet Coke person, but... You don't think? You've got the button there. You've got to have something (laughs) that you really want on a regular basis. What do you want? (laughs) Buster, who was on a few episodes ago, we had this discussion and I told, he asked me, what would I want that button to bring if I was president? And I said, gum. But then I thought, well, is pushing the button and waiting for some poor guy to walk in and hand me the gum quicker than just having a pack of gum on my desk? So you got to kind of consider that. Like, what is something that's just out of reach enough to where it would actually be convenient to press this button? So Jerry, do you have anything that comes to mind if you were president and you could reconfigure that button to bring anything you want within reason? What's it going to bring? It would probably be coffee. <laughs> That's a good answer. I don't drink coffee, but I know most people do. So I'm a big coffee drinker, although I would have to change it in the afternoon. You know, instead of coffee, they'd have to know, bring tea. Bring tea. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could have two buttons. I mean, who says you can only have one? You have a tea button, coffee button. All right. All we got to do now is get you in the president, <laughs> president's office and then we can get this working. And we'll have the important buttons ready and waiting. Jerry, the listeners might be wondering, has there ever been a part of you that ever considered getting into government or political office of any kind? I actually, when I was a kid, I told folks that I wanted to be president. And as I've studied presidential history over the years, 
uh, I'm I'm not so much in the yeah. wanting to be president anymore. <laughs> you like to watch from afar. I do like the earlier presidents and the idea of being called to public service. If I was called to service as president, I would serve, but I'm not going to seek it out. I think that's smart. Although apparently you could become very rich afterwards. Apparently so. It still might not be worth it. It is a good and lucrative career, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. At least for our more modern presidents. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the older presidents. Older presidents didn't have the same luxury as modern presidents of kind of taking advantage of their presidential years to make a income afterward. So, it makes me wonder who of the older era of presidents could possibly compete with the modern era, and I'm sure there's some, so let me think for a minute. Okay, I'll I'll give a guess. I'm pretty sure he was wealthy. I'm trying to remember from your episodes if you mentioned anything, but George Washington, is he on this list? George Washington is number two on the list. Number two! So, now you've guessed one and two. Yes, George Washington, and so... Trump is the only person who is valued in the billions. Mm -hmm. George Washington, number two, is valued at $599 million. That's fucking crazy. And the write-up for him, Washington's Virginia plantation, Mount Vernon, consisted of five separate farms on 8,000 acres of prime farmland run by more than 300 enslaved individuals. His wife, Martha, inherited significant property from her father. As president, Washington earned well more than subsequent presidents. His salary was 2% of the total U.S. budget in 1789. Wow. Wow. And that's the thing, like with Washington, he was around at a time that Virginia was starting to go on a gradual decline in terms of the planner class because so many folks focused in on tobacco production. With Washington, he diversified. He said he realized that tobacco ruined the soil. And so he had this rotating crop system and was really able to manage his finances, manage the, the operations. And so he was able to keep himself profitable at a time that so many other with presidents as well as just planners in general in, in Virginia right. were going bankrupt. Now, as this write-up says, it is important to acknowledge this was all due to the enslaved population of his farms, that they were the ones who... the white elephant there. (laughs) Exactly. And that is important to acknowledge, you know, that this was built on the labor of enslaved individuals. And so, but he was the wealthiest. And one of the things you see with Washington, so apparently... To get to his first inauguration in 1789, he actually had to borrow money for the trip. Wow. Even though he was so wealthy, and this is something with earlier presidents, and in particular the ones from Virginia, they may have been wealthy, but it was all based in land. It was all based in enslaved individuals. Mm-hmm. It, was all, it was all solid. It wasn't liquid capital that they were able to draw on. And so even with Washington, the first inauguration, he had to borrow money to get to. I have so much I need to say here. So first of all, yes, people, enslaved people are are more solid than liquid. I'll agree with that. And secondly, a question, maybe it's obvious, but each one of those slaves is considered an asset, right? Yes. Toward his wealth. yeah. Yeah. So he had, I think you said 300 there. One other thing that's just really fascinating to think about is these presidents, and he's wealthy, again, a lot of it's land, but I'm sure he's got decent wealth outside of that mm-hmm. at this, uh, before he was president. But just making a trip to his inauguration, like just a trip anywhere for anyone, including rich people back then, was such a thing, right? It's not like today where you just hop in a car or hop in a train. It's just weird to think about, like, how much work went into just getting somewhere. Oh, absolutely. And and that's the thing. You think about roads nowadays, and even though we complain about road construction and potholes and things like that, our roads are so much better than what was available in those days. And at times, they would have to travel, may not be by road, it may be by ship to be able to to get to one part of the country or the other. And especially along the eastern seaboard, sometimes it was easier to travel by ship no matter where you were than it was by road. 
But yeah, it, we can't even fathom the transportation and communication lag and delays and all the effort that went into that in those days. Think about this. I'll try not to get too far on a sidebar here, but so back in this day, this is the 1700s mm. when Washington lived. Your life expectancy in, that, in those times was already less than it is now. Health and wellness was far less than it is now, just because all, all the obvious reasons everybody knows. So, you already have less time on earth. You have less time as a healthy, active person. Now, how much of your life is wasted just getting places because, because, because you got to spend weeks sometimes or days at least to get somewhere, which I know the counterpoint to that someone, a historian or you might tell me like, well, that's why people never traveled except people like presidents. And thankfully for so many places, the hundreds and thousands of places along the eastern seaboard that are now able to claim that George Washington slept here, it was because it <laughs> took so long to get anywhere and George yeah. Washington had to sleep somewhere. So, Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully for them, travel was very slow back in those days. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible though. This guy that lived over 300 years ago, $599 million, his net worth. That's... Well, and, and something important to note here, we talked about Michelle Obama and, and how she contributed to his wealth, Hillary Clinton contributing to the Clinton's wealth. But even in the first presidency, Martha was a wealthy widow. That was part of what went into Washington, George Washington being able to build up his wealth. Whenever he married Martha, he was able to tap into the wealth that she brought to the marriage. And so again, mm. like this partnership, it wasn't just one person at the beginning. It was a partnership. Okay. George Washington. Interesting. Okay. So he was number two. Let's do a quick recap. We got 10 Barack Obama, nine Bill Clinton, two George Washington, and one Donald Trump. I'm going to guess a few presidents now that I don't necessarily think are on the list, but they're some of the more well-known presidents that listeners might be wondering when I'm going to guess. So, I'll guess them now. So, I don't think Lincoln's on this list, but... Lincoln is not on this list. Lincoln is actually towards the bottom. And we do have quite a number of presidents that ended up with less than a million dollars and in some cases, next to nothing. But Lincoln was definitely towards the bottom of the list. Again, don't think he's on here, but big name is uh, FDR. FDR is actually number 11. Re oh, okay. So close. Close. Hmm. And I'll be honest, I was surprised that he wasn't in the top 10, but... Really? Okay. He was just under, so Barack Obama was 70 million. FDR was 67.6 million. Where did his wealth come from? His wealth came from family. Okay. And that's the thing, like he came from the Roosevelt family, his father was wealthy, and so he inherited that. What about the other Roosevelt, Teddy? TR is number four on the list. Oh, I didn't think he'd be in the top 10. Okay. TR, Brandon, uh, my regular sidekick host, Brandon, is a big TR fan. I've heard him talk about him many times, but he's never talked about how wealthy he is, so. TR is a character. And for, for better or worse, TR is a character. <laughs> mm -hmm. So number four, Theodore Roosevelt, he was valued at $142.5 million. Wow. And the write-up on him is born to a prominent and wealthy family. Same family, different branch than FDR. Right. Theodore Roosevelt received a sizable trust fund. He lost most of his money on a ranching venture in the Dakotas and had to work as an author to pay the bills. Roosevelt spent most of his adult years in public service. His 235-acre estate, Sagamore Hill, now sits on some of the most valuable real estate in Long Island. And for anybody who has been to Sagamore Hill, you, it's an amazing estate but you also really get a sense of his wealth. I mean, it is an estate. It's just amazing. And TR made it into his kind of home. You really get a sense of him as an individual from that estate. Yeah, unique guy. I've not been there. Would like to go. You know, I've not been there, but there is something I do have in common with Teddy Roosevelt. He was famously shot at a speech and continued the speech without seeking medical attention until after he finished. 
I think he spoke for, you'd probably know, but minutes, several minutes or maybe even like a half hour or something with a bullet in his body. And I'm doing the same now. I've been shot since we started recording, Jerry, but I am pushing on for the folks at home. You're pushing on. He actually, I think it was a little over an hour that he spoke. Oh, God. Apparently, so he had a copy of his speech and something else. It was some kind of case in his pocket. That's right. And so the bullet kind of went through that and they've still got those that you can see the bullet hole through. But yeah, Mm. TR, he, nothing was going to stop TR from completing his speech. Yeah. When he had something to say, he was going to say it to hell with the consequences. (laughs) Yeah. I wish I had had a folded up notes in my pocket when I got shot here a few minutes ago. I'm, my guts are on the floor here, but I'm going to keep going. Get your body elves working on getting (laughs) things back in order, getting your guts back in place, sewing up those wounds, you know. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, my body elves are definitely slacking because they need to, well, see, my guts, my organs are on the floor here because I've been shot. They can't leave the body to go retrieve them. So, I think they're doing what they can, but I don't know if I'm going to make it through. But, well, I love that you brought up the body elves. Teddy Roosevelt really is an interesting guy. You have him to thank for the national parks. Yes. You know, I meant to, not to go backwards, but I meant to ask you, have you been to Mount Vernon, George Washington's home? Yes, I have. Yeah, me too. It's a really amazing estate, and I really appreciate what all they're doing now to not only tell the story of the Washingtons, but also the enslaved individuals that lived and worked yeah. at Mount Vernon. Um, they're doing some amazing work there. And so, anybody who ends up in the D.C. area, highly recommend checking it out. Seconded. Did you have anything else on our pal TR, listener of the show? I think we are ready to go from TR. Okay. I have a guess, hmm, trying to think what number. All right, I'll guess seven or eight-ish. Kennedy, JFK. This is a surprising one. Kennedy is actually number 23 on the list. Whoa, because he came from a wealthy family. It was interesting, like, looking at different iterations of the list and how they've tried to figure out Kennedy's wealth because it was so associated with the family. Mm -hmm. It's hard to really pinpoint what is his versus what was his father's and was in trust. Mm -hmm. And so they valued Kennedy by himself at $10 million. But of course... Still not bad. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't turn it down. So, <laughs> Right. But because it's, it was so enmeshed with the family, it, it's hard to kind of pinpoint that number. But I was surprised at that as well. Well, if we were judging wealth not by money, but by the panties of the women you've had affairs with, then I think uh, JFK might be closer to the number one spot. Yeah, I, I think he would run away with that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about another ladies' man? And that was... Dwight Eisenhower, (laughs) known ladies man. Is he in the top 10? He is actually just below Kennedy. He's at number 24. Okay, okay. The Bushes, are either of the Bushes in the top 10? Neither of the Bushes are in the top 10. Hmm. George H.W. Bush is at number 17 with 26.6 million. His son, George W., is at number 13 with 40 million. Let me give you another kind of modern president. And this guy came from Hollywood, might have had some money. Ronald Reagan. Number 21 on the list with 14.3 million. He wasn't like a leading man in Hollywood, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was uh, like a B-lister, not an A-lister. So maybe that's... He was a bit of a B-lister. He never made it to the top 10. Okay. Let's go way back in time then to the beginning. So, I got Washington already. So, let me name off a few other early presidents. So, how about Thomas Jefferson? Thomas Jefferson is number three on the list. Mm, Knew it. For those who do listen to presidencies, you know, we just came out of the Jefferson presidency series. Yes. Mr. Jefferson was not always great with his money. (laughs) No. (laughs) But he did start with quite a bit. Number three, Thomas Jefferson, valued at his peak net worth at $241.7 million. Mm. And the write-up on him, Jefferson inherited 3,000 acres and several dozen slaves from his father. Yeah. 
Monticello, Jefferson's home on a 5,000-acre plantation in Virginia, was one of the architectural wonders of its time. He made considerable money in various political positions before becoming president, but he was mired in debt towards the end of his life. I like how all these presidents, they got to name their estate or their house or their land, you know? Oh, Like yes. every one of them names it. Yeah, so. That was a big thing back in the day. And you see these names that are kind of iconic, you know? You got with TR, you know, Sagamore Hill. Mm-hmm. You've got Washington with Mount Vernon. It's interesting. I just released a new episode on Attorney General Charles Lee. Mm-hmm. His estate was Leesylvania. <laughs> that doesn't really stick with you quite as much as Mount Vernon or Sagamore Hill. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I love it. Sometimes they fall a little short with the names, but they do really <laughs> <Sylvania>. like these names. <laughs> maybe I'll be like, uh, instead of New York City, maybe Nick York City, something like that. There you go. Not bad. <laughs> so Thomas Jefferson, tell us uh, more about his uh, financial troubles. Absolutely. So Jefferson was, you know, we talked about Washington and how meticulous he was in managing his affairs, managing his operations. Jefferson was kind of the opposite of that. He was very much hands off. He even had, there was this one time, so he was Secretary of State under George Washington, and he rented this house and decided that he was going to renovate this house that he was just renting. And so he threw all this money away and then ended up the renovations were done and a couple of months later, moved out of the house. It's like, uh, what are you doing, Tommy? He was not one who really thought through things. And he was all about the renovations. He actually pretty much broke his house in Charlottesville, Virginia, down a couple of times, built it back up. He changed. It, it was a constant construction process. And so much of his money went into things like that. Mm-hmm. He liked some of the finer things. At that point, books were a wealthy commodity. It was something that yeah, you know right. anybody couldn't have. And especially the books that he wanted, it wasn't just getting them from the US. He was having books shipped from Europe. And that was that was pricey in those days. But really what did him in in terms of his finances, he was reluctant to do this, but he did end up at this point where in order to secure a new loan, He had to co-sign on a loan for somebody else, and that person ended up going bankrupt. He was responsible for the debt for the other person. Whenever he passed away, there was basically nothing. His family had to sell everything, Hmm. unfortunately, including the enslaved individuals on the Monticello plantation. It was a pretty tragic story. Well, at least he got to read some fancy books before that. He got to read his fancy books and enjoy his French wines. (laughs) Yes. Jefferson, I spent two and a half years in the Jefferson series, and I was... I know. I was rather glad to see him go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's something else, man. I mean, you get so granular in a good way on these presidents that... I'm sure by the time you finish with the series, it's like a weight off your shoulders, I'm assuming. Oh, yes. Well, and and especially Jefferson. I mean, there's so much that Jefferson contributed to the American ideal and, Mm -hmm. you know, the Declaration of Independence. Of course, we can't forget those contributions. But just as a person, by the end of the series, it was just like, okay, this guy, I just can't stand him. I'm ready to be done with him. Yeah. Hell of an ass on him, though. Hell of an ass. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we can't take that away from him. I mean, all the good and bad, we got to give him that. Well, look, I'll do you a favor then and move on from Thomas Jefferson. Let me ask you about a guy. I'm looking at pictures of presidents now to kind of refresh my memory here. I don't know anything about this guy and you haven't covered him yet. You will soon. But from his picture, he looks like a kind of a rich snobby guy. So, I'm going to go ahead and guess James Monroe. James Monroe is actually number 14. Mm. million. So, I was right. Yeah. So That he's a rich asshole. He was a rich asshole. (laughs) Yeah. He was part of that Virginia dynasty. And so, you ended Mm -hmm. up with the first five presidents. Out of the first five presidents, four were were from Virginia. 
and he was the mm-hmm. last of that series. Yeah, okay. All right, let me give you another guess. How about looking through here? Oh, I, I know one. Uh, this one's... So I'm going to jump back forward to kind of more modern days and give you Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon was actually number 20 on the list, 17.4 million. Okay. Let's refresh the uh, minds of our listeners, especially our international listeners. How many presidents have there been in American history? This is an interesting thing, a little quirk with presidencies. There have actually been, so Joe Biden is number 46, but there have only Mm -hmm. been 45 presidents because Grover Cleveland served two non-consecutive terms. And so he was POTUS 22 and 24. Right. I wanted to say that just to kind of give people an idea. If someone you say is in the 20s, that means they're about halfway, halfway through the list. Yes. Okay. Well, you mentioned him just now. Another guy I don't know a ton about. How about Grover Cleveland? Grover Cleveland is actually number 16, mm. and he was valued at $28.7 million. Mm-hmm. I mentioned JFK earlier. How about his successor, Mr. LBJ? LBJ? is on the list at number seven. Oh, okay. LBJ was valued at $111.5 million in his peak net worth. And so the write-up on him, Johnson's father lost all the family's money when LBJ was a boy, and he grew up in poverty. His main source of wealth was the radio and television business owned by his wife, Lady Bird. He is said to have used his increasing political influence on his path to the presidency to help promote her enterprises. The Johnsons eventually acquired 1,500 acres in Blanco County, Texas, which included their home, known as the Texas White House, and the couple also had holdings in livestock and private aircraft. Tell me if you've heard this, Jerry. Uh, Me and Brandon talked about this the last time we talked presidents. LBJ was known for walking around the White House and showing people his, uh, well, his president that he called Jumbo. Oh, yes. You know this. Oh, yes. Jumbo, he was not afraid to whip out Jumbo (laughs) and show everybody. (laughs) I just, you know, it's one thing if you want to flash people. I mean, that's obviously terrible. Don't do it. But like to name him Jumbo just makes it 10 times worse (laughs) to me. I don't know. Well, something bad about that. And that's the thing, like LBJ, again, he's one of those folks that is just a character. Yeah. Not necessarily a good character, but he was, he was definitely a character. Um, he actually had this thing. So on his ranch, he would drive people around and he would go a hundred to nothing while drinking a beer. Mm. And so folks were scared to death to ride around with him. What made it even worse, he apparently had this one vehicle that he would be driving people around. He'd see a pond or whatever on the property, go straight towards it. (sighs) These folks, oh my gosh, slow down. We're about to go straight into the pond. And his vehicle, it could operate as a boat as well as... (laughs) Oh my car. god! But they what didn't know asshole. it. They thought that they were just going into yeah. the pond. So he was quite a quirky individual. <laughs> and they didn't whip out Jumbo. <laughs> yeah, like don't whip out Jumbo. If anyone out there has named your your, let's just fucking call it what it is. If you've named your Winky Jumbo, just fucking unsubscribe. <laughs> but also, from everything I've heard of LBJ, not a big fan. But if you are going to have a vehicle that can operate as a boat too, then I got to admit that would be pretty tempting to (laughs) trick people like that. He apparently tried in every opportunity that he had. (laughs) Yeah. LBJ at number seven. Let me give you another guess here. And this guy was number one on our heaviest presidents list. And that is William Taft. William H. Taft. Taft is not in the top 25. Okay. Some deep part of my brain is telling me this is not right, but maybe I'm misremembering that. My uh, memory tells me Woodrow Wilson was not extremely wealthy, but am I misremembering that? You are not misremembering. He is not in the top 25 either. Mm -hmm. So let's knock out a few people in this era because I'm looking at a list here. So how about William McKinley? William McKinley, not in the top 25. Benjamin Harrison. Benjamin Harrison, no, not in the top 25. 
Okay. Do I need to go... And let me know when you, when you want some hints. Do I need to go more recent or less recent than Benjamin Harrison, who's 1880? So, the last three that are remaining on the list, there is one president from the 20th century, two from the 19th. Let's try to get that 20th century here. So, that means we start with McKinley, who you've already said no. Mm-hmm. Theodore Roosevelt, we've already talked about. William Taft is a no. Woodrow Wilson's a no. Calvin Coolidge. Not in the top 25. I believe he was actually towards the very bottom of the list. Yeah, like these first half of the 20th century presidents are like my weak spot in presidential history. I just retain nothing about them. And is Calvin Coolidge, he's like one of the most forgettable presidents ever. Am I wrong in that? Like, I don't ever hear about that guy. So Calvin Coolidge, his claim to fame is this dinner party that he was at. He was known as Silent Cal. He Mm -hmm. was known for not being a man of many words. And so, supposedly, this lady at the party approached him, was like, well, I just made a bet that I could get you to say at least three words. He looked at her and said, you lose. (laughs) Is this a true story? I haven't been able to trace it back, but I also wouldn't be surprised. I mean, this was Coolidge. He he had a, a rather wicked sense of humor. <laughs> I got to say, pretty good last name, though. Coolidge. Coolidge. Memorable. Keep cool yeah. with Coolidge. Yeah. That was his slogan, wasn't it? That was it. Yeah. Coolidge's successor was the president during the Great Depression, Herbert Hoover. Herbert Hoover is number eight on the list. Interesting, because he's president at such a poor time. Yes. Okay, maybe you'll tell me about that. (laughs) Yes, so Herbert Hoover, his highest net worth was $87.4 million. And the write-up is, an orphan, Hoover was raised by his uncle, a doctor, and inherited no significant wealth. So we do have some folks on this list who started from more humble beginnings, and so Mm-hmm. You know, Hoover is one of those. He parlayed a degree in geology from Stanford University into a successful career as a mining engineer, working in Australia, China, and elsewhere, and in 1908 opened his own mining consulting firm. By 1914, he was a millionaire, earning high salaries and acquiring ownership of silver mines. He donated his presidential salary to charity. Well, that's good. And so that's the thing, like Hoover was one of these folks, you know, you always hear pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and Hoover really did that. And it's amazing, like him and his wife, Lou Henry, both very educated. They spoke multiple languages. Hoover actually came to prominence because during World War I, he organized relief for folks in Belgium and other areas, and he was known as being this guy who could really make things happen. In the 20s, when he was part of Coolidge's cabinet, there was a major flood in the Mississippi River Basin, and he organized relief efforts for that. So he was seen as being this guy who could really make things happen and help serve the people. And then he became president, had the Great Depression, and just didn't happen. You ended up the shanty towns that folks ended up having to create and move into because they were in such a desperate place came to be known as Hoovervilles. Mm. With Hoover, that became his legacy. You know, he wasn't known as being this go-getter and being somebody who could really make things happen. He became known as the person who was the president during the Great Depression and didn't solve it. Yeah, and it's hard to be, you know, super memorable or impactful uh, looking back today when the guy that came after you was FDR, who was president for so long and did so many things. So, it kind of overshadows Herbert Hoover, I think, also. Exactly. Okay. But he's still number eight. That is... He pulled himself up from the bootstraps. Number eight on the list, Herbert Hoover. I need five and six, and you said they're... The last two here are in the 19th century. They are. Let me look at these handsome fellas, see who stands out. I know it's not Ulysses S. Grant. No. We already ruled out Lincoln. Which is the guy? Here he is, William Henry Harrison. He's the one that died like in the first month, right? Yes. Yeah. So Harrison is not in the top 25. Okay. 
for those who are listeners of presidencies, you know that I do have a thing for the lesser known presidents. And so William Henry Harrison is one that I'm really adamant about, but unfortunately he's not in the top 25, so we can't talk (laughs) about him here. (laughs) Well, then I won't make fun of him for drinking the bad milk and dying right away. That was actually Zachary Taylor. Oh, Zachary Taylor. Okay, I got them confused because Zachary Taylor also died pretty quick. Yes. And you probably can make fun of Zachary Taylor. (laughs) Then I will do it. Zachary Taylor, what are you doing, bro? Milk on a hot summer day? What were you thinking? (laughs) So Zachary Taylor's not on the list either, I assume. No. Mm. I think this guy might be on the list. Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson is number five on the list. Yeah, I, I seem to remember him having some wealth. And that's the thing with Andrew Jackson's persona. Folks don't really think about him as being wealthy, but his highest net worth is valued at $135.3 million. Wow. And so the write-up on him, while he was considered to be in touch with the average middle-class American, Jackson quietly became one of the wealthiest presidents of the 1800s. Old Hickory married into wealth and made more money in the military. His homestead, the Hermitage, included 1,050 acres of prime real estate, and over the course of his life, he owned as many as 300 enslaved individuals. Well, 300's bad, but I'll be honest, when you first started talking about his land, I thought you were going to say, you said 1,050 acres, I thought you were about to say 1,050 slaves. <laughs> so, when you compare it to that, I mean, yeah, it's all bad. And that's the thing, you know, Jackson, I haven't gotten to him yet in terms of his presidency. He's actually one that I'm kind of dreading getting there. I also think that it's important to talk about Andrew Jackson because he's very pro-slavery. He was very pro-slavery. He is responsible for the Trail of Tears. And so he, he was really awful to Native peoples in the Americas. He also had this strange fixation on invading what became Florida. For some reason, he just, he kept on, you could not keep Jackson away from invading Florida. (laughs) Every time he turned around, oh, where's Jackson? Oh, he's in Florida. And to the point that he even held a trial and murdered two British subjects in Florida. So it it was Spanish-held Florida. British subjects and Andrew Jackson went ahead and executed these two British citizens. Andrew Jackson was known for just doing whatever Andrew Jackson wanted. He also loved a good duel. Yes. He was ready to duel at any moment. And one of the most infamous parts of his presidency. So he is the first president that we know of that there was an assassination attempt on. Mm-hmm. And this guy approached him, you know, he was walking out of a building. This guy approached him, had a pistol, tried to shoot, it misfired. He tried again, misfired. And supposedly Andrew Jackson had his cane and raised his cane and just started beating this guy yeah. who was trying to assassinate story. him. That tells you pretty much everything you need to know about Andrew Jackson. Yeah, and when you look at any picture or portrait of this guy, it's not that surprising. He looks like a grumpy old curmudgeon man that will beat you with his stick if you try to kill him. Pretty much. <laughs> and to help kind of drive the point home about Florida to our listeners, you mentioned that every time you turn around, Jackson's invading Florida. He's obsessed with Florida. You could say that Brandon is like Andrew Jackson and Florida is like crowded trash cans where you one might eat a disgusting hot dog. (laughs) Do you think that's a fair representation? I don't want to compare Brandon to Andrew Jackson. Take that as a yes. (laughs) All right. I know your team hashtag hot dog Brandon. You don't have to say it, but I know you are. (laughs) Let me give you my final guess or well, the final pick is number six. That's all I need. Almost there. Hmm. James Garfield. James Garfield is not in the top 25. James Buchanan. Not in the top 25. Uh, I'm kind of blindly guessing at this point. Franklin Pierce. No, not in the top 25. Okay, give me a hint. Okay, so this president is a pre-Civil War president. Pre-Civil War, okay. Hmm, well that narrows it down quite a bit because we've talked about most of them. So James Madison or John Quincy Adams, one of those two. 
James Madison is the one you're looking for. That is yes. number six. James Madison valued his top net worth at $115.7 million. Madison was the largest landowner in Orange County, Virginia. His land holding consisted of 5,000 acres and his Montpelier estate. He earned significant salaries as Secretary of State and President, but lost money towards the end of his life due to the steady financial collapse of his plantation. For folks who are listeners of presidencies, you know that we are now in the Madison presidency. We're, we're, right. That's why I'm mad at myself for not guessing him sooner. We're starting to dive into his presidency and just kind of a spoiler alert, what's coming in terms of his post-presidency. So Madison married Dolly, who had been married before, lost her husband to the yellow fever epidemic in mm. Philadelphia, but they had a son. Pain and pain was very much a pain. He. <laughs> it's a bad start if you're naming your kid pain. Exactly. I mean, what do you expect is going to happen? Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, so pain was a pain. He drank, he gambled, he ended up in jail. Towards the end of Madison's life, he tried to help him out, he tried to support him, he, tried, he bailed him out all these times. Ended up, he was a drag on the entire family. Madison died. Dolly continued to give him money and all this. And Payne just never did anything. So the the wealth of the family and Madison's father had really built it up. Again, we do have to note that Mm -hmm. there were enslaved individuals who were doing the labor at Montpelier. But... They had built up this wealth, and in the course of just these lifetimes, over a course of decades, it was gone. It was all gone. Yeah. It's kind of similar to the president right before him, Thomas Jefferson. Exactly. And it wasn't so much Madison blowing his own money, but he was trying to help support his family. But Jefferson, Mm -hmm. there was more of a personal, you know, he was spending Madison was pretty frugal in terms of what he spent on. There was usually a, a reason for it. You know, there's some political whatever. Mm-hmm. Jefferson, if he wanted something, he just bought it and he didn't care. He didn't really think about it. But one other takeaway from this whole episode is, unfortunately, the ugly truth is America loved its slaves for a long time. Yes. And the president that we most have to thank for ending slavery is not on this list. Yes. Really is interesting. And this is an interesting lens to look at the presidency because we we do have Mm -hmm. some folks who came from wealth who became president. We also have some folks who really came from more humble beginnings, were able to build up their wealth. And then you have the folks who just never really accumulated wealth at all. Yeah. And so it, it really does speak to the variety of experiences that the people who became president came from. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And we've had a variety of experiences on this list as well. Absolutely. Would you like me to run through the top 25? Yeah, let's do it. Start at 25. Absolutely. So number 25 is Gerald Ford. Number 24, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Number 23, John F. Kennedy. Number 22, James K. Polk. Number 21, Ronald Reagan. Number 20, Tricky Dick, Richard Nixon. (laughs) Number 19, John Adams. Number 18, JQA, John Quincy Adams. Number 17, George H.W. Bush. Number 16, Mr. Non-Consecutive Terms, Grover Cleveland. Number 15, Martin Van Buren. Number 14, James Monroe. Number 13, George W. Bush. Number 12, John Tyler, yet another Virginian. Number 11, FDR. Number 10, Barack Obama. Number 9, Bill Clinton. Number 8, Herbert Hoover. Number 7, Mr. Jumbo himself, LBJ. (laughs) No, Mr. Jumbo himself. (laughs) Mr. Jumbo himself, LBJ. (laughs) And don't get in a car with him either. (laughs) No, never get in a car with LBJ. (laughs) Well, especially don't get in a car with him now because he's been dead for some time. And if you're in a car with him now, that's, we need to have a talk. (laughs) Yeah, there are larger issues 
at play there. (laughs) (laughs) Number six, James Madison. Number five, Andrew Jackson. Number four, Theodore Roosevelt. Number three, Thomas Jefferson. Number two, George Washington. And number one, with an asterisk, Donald Trump. Donald J. Trump. Wow. That was a very interesting list. Some surprises in there and some not surprising as well. Hey, it's time for a quick sidebar to read the latest podcast reviews for this podcast, The Tennis Podcast. Every week I read reviews from listeners like you, and I'm going to start today with one on Apple Podcasts from 1111, Lee Lee Lee, 1111. That's the username. They say, please give these guys a listen. So engaging, and I laugh the whole time. Professional voices delivering witty banter and dry humor. Love with a heart emoji. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you think my voice is professional. But I also am wondering what your parents were thinking when they named you 1111. Lee 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 1111. I mean, teachers ever have trouble pronouncing that correctly during roll call, first day of school? I don't know. I got a lot of questions about that. Let me know. But thank you for that review. I have one more here, again on Apple. It comes from Becky. She said, I just discovered this podcast and I am hooked. I didn't realize how much I needed to know the world's worst jobs or most popular fruits. But yes, I need to know those things and I need to hear the hosts stump one another as they try to guess what's on the list. Give it a listen. You'll laugh. You'll learn. You'll love it. I kind of resent the fact that you even question why anyone would need to know the world's worst jobs or the world's most popular fruits, but I'll forgive you since you left a kind five-star review. Thank you, Becky. And again, thank you, 1111-1111. If you want me to read your review on the show, no matter what your parents named you, just go to Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or the Good Pods app, rate us five stars, write a review. I'll read it on a future episode. And One quick favor, if you're listening to me on Spotify right now, in the Spotify app, at the top, right under our name, there's a little star icon. Click it, rate us five stars. You don't even have to write anything, just rate us five stars. It's a new feature on Spotify. We're trying to build that up. I appreciate you. All right, enough of my blabbering. Let's get to my, well, my blabbering again, but with Jerry on the episode. See you there. Jerry, it's been great having you here giving this historical perspective to something that I can't give historical perspective on, like the presidents. So, I think this is a good segue to give the listeners one more plug for your podcast. I know you've already talked about it a few times, but if there's anything else you want to say or any upcoming episode topics you're especially excited about, you can share that. Absolutely. So, you can check out the presidencies of the United States anywhere fine podcasts can be found. And we actually have two series going on. So we have our regular narrative series that is going through presidential history from the very beginning. We also have a new series that I've started in the last few months, and it basically covers cabinet members. So looking at the life and legacy of cabinet members one at a time, most of these figures nobody has ever heard of. But we've ended up with some interesting stories, great conversations. I'm joined Mm -hmm. by fellow podcasters for each of these episodes. And then at the very end, we kind of rank how they fall in terms of what their legacy means or not. (laughs) It's just a fun series. Overall, Presidencies is just all about trying to explore some lesser known individuals and events in presidential history and really trying to humanize the entire process. So please check out Presidencies Anywhere Fine Podcasts Can Be Found. I'm on all the the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yep. And I'll put links to all that in the show notes of this episode. So you can look at that and get a direct link to the podcast. It's Presidencies of the United States. Jerry does about as good a job as anyone I've come across in podcasting as far as presenting a huge amount of research in a easily consumed fashion. So huge kudos to you, Jerry. Highly recommend the show. If the listeners out there want some more tennis spin on presidents, I have uh, I looked these up. Me and Brandon talked about presidents a few times in the past, including episode two, we talked about the most popular presidents in US history. Episode 33, we talked about the worst presidents in US history. Episode 84 was the smartest presidents, and episode 119 was the heaviest, and we just wrapped up episode 168 with the wealthiest. But really, the most wealth we've got is the friends we made along the way, Jerry. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Nick, for having me on. 
we will definitely remember this conversation and I don't think anybody can get Jumbo out of their head. God, I've I've had Jumbo in my head for far too long, but I think there, there's there's worse places to have Jumbo. I'll just leave it at that. Anyway, Jerry, you've been great. Check out his podcast and listeners. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next week with a new guest sidekick host. Actually, two of them. Spoiler alert. Two guest sidekick hosts at the same time. A first for episode 169. Jerry, anything else you want to say before we go? Just want to say, Brandon, we look forward to having you back. And to all the listeners out there, thank you so much. Yeah, give me a presidential like speech closing. Like what's a famous uh, end of speech you can give us here to close us out? Oh, gosh. Well, put me on the spot. The <laughs> well, the modern one is, of course, God bless the United States of America. And <laughs> I would probably add, and heaven help us all. <laughs> I will co sign that. I think that's a perfect way to end. We'll end it there. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time.